Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. Today, we get to talk to Jamie Wishman, co-founder of Breathe Life Ministries, as we look at chapter eight of the Light in the Darkness hymn journal for Advent and Christmas, and the hymn, O Holy Night. After a brief introduction and an opening prayer, you'll hear Jamie read Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. That's found on page 77 of your hymn journal. Then we'll discuss the the theology of that text and what it means to live out that hope, that hope that sometimes seems like it disappoints us in the midst of our regular, everyday, ordinary lives. As a part of that discussion, I'll, I'll turn the page and read the devotion called A Thrill of Hope. That's found on page 78 of the hymn journal. Then we'll get a chance to listen to the Brooke and Brendan rendition of the hymn, O Holy Night, and I'll ask Jamie to tell us a little bit more about Breathe Life Ministries and how they help bring hope into the lives of real people. Then I also get to ask her about something called Making Room. That was an experiment they ran last year leading up to Easter. It was a series of weekly emails that helped us acknowledge and and honor our losses as a way of creating a space for whatever Jesus was going to do in our lives next. It turns out that way of preparing for Easter is also a good way to help prepare us for Christmas. Well, we're getting closer and closer to the big day. Most of our decorations are up. We've still got some Christmas shopping to do, but plans for getting together have been made. We know when we're celebrating which Christmas with which side of the family now. So uh, we're getting excited to be able to be together this Christmas season. Whatever your travel plans look like this year, whether you're going somewhere else or people are coming to you or you're going to be mostly by yourself this Christmas, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for taking time to take a small next step following Jesus with us here at Next Step Press. We really do follow Jesus better when we follow him together. Jamie Wishman joins us on the Next Step Podcast. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Uh, Where in the world are you today? I'm in Tomball, Texas, right outside of Houston. And what's the weather like this December in Tomball, Texas? Well, it's beautiful outside. It's sunny. We just had a cold front come through, so I think maybe it'll only get up to 70 today instead of 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your cold fronts are my summer days. That's uh, the way it goes. Uh, thanks so much for being a part of, of what we're doing today. Uh, please let me start us off with prayer. Uh, Come Holy Spirit and be in our conversation today. Open our hearts to each other and to what you're doing as as we read these words from the Apostle Paul. Uh, Will you who inspired Paul to record these words also inspire our hearts to take them into our lives and, and to see what you would have for us today. Be in our conversation. Be active in our lives. Show us Jesus today. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Our reading is from Romans 5 verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, reading through those verses of Romans 5, did, did anything jump out at you this time through? So the, the word hope comes up a lot, but I also really was captivated by how many times it was how much more, yeah. or not only so, or not only this. Yeah. <laughs> Which starts off with, since we have been justified through faith, and I think often in Christian circles, it's something we've we're so familiar with, we almost take it for granted. Mm. But on this foundation, we don't just have hope in the glory of God, we can also glory in our sufferings. That's a crazy thought, like hoping in glory, that's not that hard. Hoping in sufferings, that's harder. And in my experience, it's a process. Mm. So I remember there was a time when I was reading the scripture and it said, and hope does not put us to shame. And I remembered a time that I had hope and then I experienced shame. And I'm like, well, what gives? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, another translation of that is hope does not disappoint us. And, you know, like, come on. I mean, I've been there, right? Yeah, truly. Truly, how many times have we hoped for something to happen and it went the complete opposite and we were so disappointed? It's mm-hmm. a very common part of the human experience. So, so my first thought is like, uh, God, you, <laughs> you're, you're lying. But then I feel kind of bad about that because that, I mean, obviously God doesn't lie, yeah. but, but in reality, I think part of the process is noticing the resistance in my own heart that says mm. that doesn't feel true. And instead of saying, well, it must be true. I must be wrong. Or it can't be true. God's wrong to just say, Hey God, will you help me in the process of discovering how that is true? when my experience looked different. Hmm. So I like what you're saying, the, the even more, the, the this but even more, that's that's a key theme in these verses. And then of course the hope, and, and we'll get into that more in a second too, but you had this, so we boast in the hope of the glory of God, and then we glory in our sufferings, kind of a strange juxtaposition. And at the end, Paul says, we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have this reconciliation. So. There's this sense of, of boasting in hope. I mean, talk about hope that doesn't disappoint or hope that doesn't put you to shame. Like it's even it's even worse if you're boasting about it. Like if you've told people about it, if you're confident <laughs> in it and you share it and then it doesn't happen, it's like 10 times worse. And yet it seems like it, in Jesus, in this reconciliation state that we're now in, Paul invites us into that kind of boasting, uh, I guess maybe even in a way that doesn't exclude suffering, but wraps suffering in that perseverance and character and hope piece. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think for me, it's part of the process. Like I have a certain amount of hope. And then when it falls to pieces, Mm -hmm. like I think all my hope is gone. But in reality, that's the fertile ground for God building fresh hope, Mm -hmm. more hope than I would have even hoped to have had in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's richer, it's fuller, it's more rooted in God. But in my experience, it goes through a, a valley place where it feels like 
less hope and disappointment and shame. And then there's the questions and the wondering, where are you in this God? I thought you were going to help. And now I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And now I feel like I have no hope. But in reality, I think it's part of how he does build this greater hope. And it's, it's how the, you know, it says, since we have been justified through faith, like I said before, those are so common. You know, the cross of Jesus has almost become so common for us that we don't realize what we've gained through it. Like it really did, it settled everything. Hmm. Everything is settled now. So now we're just living. We're just, <laughs> we're, uh, we're just, we're, we're just living. And in the, in the living, we're discovering more, more of who God is, more of his love, more of his hope. So I would rather personally discover more of that without pain. Mm. Uh, That seems like it would be more fun. Mm. But in the reality of our human experience, pain is part of it. So I think the how much more God didn't just like whisk us up after, Mm. after he uh, saved us and take us to heaven, right? We're still here. So there's more for us to gain in this life and more for us to give. And a lot of that's found in a pain process, hmm. which I, I've had a lot of pain in my life. Um, probably a lot of your listeners have too. And, and recently, <laughs> it's hard to get away from the pain of late, you know? Hmm. And so for me, in the pain, as I draw near to God and say, what gives? Where are you? I end up with a hope that's not as the world gives. It's a richer hope. And as I talk to other people who are hurting, I can share a richer hope because I don't have to make it all better for them. The only thing that makes it all better for us is the sacrifice of Jesus. And in the meantime, we're learning how to love. Paul says that hope does not put us to shame Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So there's the very presence of the Spirit with us, the focus of God's love. And then on page 77, these these words are kind of even set off uh, with its own margin. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That, that sense of just the right time, that the presence of the Spirit, the, the, the gift of Jesus comes when we can do nothing for ourselves. And, and I hear that kind of in, in your description too, Jamie, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the not knowing what's going on, in the midst of giving up one kind of hope, God is present for you and in you and with you, pouring out the Spirit, and that brings a richer kind of hope that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. So I wouldn't think that in my hopelessness or in my disappointment that I would be anybody that God would want to come near. Hmm. But when I experience Hmm. disappointment and anger and shame and questioning God and all the pieces that uh, make me look like the ungodly that Christ died for, (laughs) um, I experience the reality of Christ coming to me in that state, which which builds a real gratitude in my heart. Instead of wondering, I wonder if he would still like me. I mean, a lot of people don't like me when I'm complaining. I wonder if God still likes me while I'm complaining. And I have a theology that says, well, of course he does. Hmm. But when I encounter him in my complaints, 
in my question, in my disappointment, then I know it in a different way. And I like knowing God more than just intellectually, although intellectual is good. It's, it's good to have both, I think, that the knowledge and the experience of this richness of God. I know often we're real nervous about or cautious about experience because we worry that people have an experience that is not true to the Word of God. But I find that as I'm willing to, or as I invite God into my pain, He comes near in a way that reinforces the Word of God and gives Mm -hmm. me a richer understanding. And a lot of gratitude, even while I still hurt. You've mentioned your pain here a, a couple of times, and I don't want to pry, but what, what would you be willing to share with us about some of the pain that you've been experiencing, where you've seen God present in the midst of it? So I've had a physical pain, back pain, for 18 years. I threw out my back when I was 28, 29 for the first time had surgery a couple years ago and that's still ongoing and I think the physical pain actually opens us up to all sorts of other pain anybody else who's dealt with chronic pain knows about the emotional relational social aspects of being in chronic pain so I guess all the things I've had all the things the physical relational social emotional spiritual pains and, and part of that sent me into a season of a lot of isolation that I would have never chosen for myself. But in that season of isolation, when I found it really difficult to interact with any other human being, I was stuck with God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had never been stuck with him in that way. Uh, but what I, what I discovered in that place was the kindest, most patient, most compassionate, person I had ever met. It was really hard on my husband, actually, because he really didn't measure up after that. (laughs) Because before that, Steve was always my best. (laughs) But I think what I, over time, it actually takes a lot of pressure off my husband because he doesn't have to be all the things anymore. Hmm. Because God is the kind one to me, the understanding one who doesn't get mad at me, who doesn't get sick of me who he has never once told me to buck up and get over it. Not one time. Mm. I tell myself that all the time. (laughs) Buck up, Jamie, get over it. Come on, move on. Mm. He's just, I can't believe his patience. It's, Mm. It's unbelievable. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's uh, very personal, but I, I know there's a lot of people that go through something similar and to invite them into seeing God not as someone who just wants them to hurry up and get through it, but is present with them in the midst. That's a real gift. I've got a couple other questions I'd like to talk to you about, Jamie, but before we do that, let me turn the page here, and there's a devotion on page 78. Uh, It goes with the hymn. It's called A Thrill of Hope. I'd like to read that devotion. The Christmas we moved back home was full of hope. Leaving a place we loved wasn't easy, but the promise of a new start close to family helped make the decision. We were excited to celebrate Christmas with our whole family for the first time in years. 
Add to that excitement the thrill of preaching for the first time at a new congregation on Christmas Eve. I was eager to see all of my new friends and shake many new hands and smile into a crowd of glowing faces. That Christmas Eve was full of hope and expectation. Then the phone rang. My grandma Rosso had died in the night. I was so excited to see her again after being away for so long, and before we could be reunited, she was gone. Death devastated my hope that Christmas. In the office that afternoon, I grieved as I got ready for worship. Then, just as I was walking into our Christmas Eve service, the phone rang again. A patch of ice, a moment of panic, and a multi-car pileup. No one was injured, but my wife and kids were not going to make it to Christmas Eve at our new congregation. On top of Grandma's death, their absence tore at my heart unexpectedly. Grief on grief. That Christmas tide was filled with funeral preparations and insurance claims, not how I'd hoped to spend my first Christmas back near family. So many of the hopes and plans I had for that year turned into difficulty or loss. It sure felt like Paul was wrong. Hope can, hope does disappoint us. But for Paul, suffering and perseverance also belong to hope. The hope of Christmas is the promise of renewal, a promise you need most when your own hopes and dreams and plans for the future have all turned gray and dry. The hope that God will make all things new will not disappoint. Paul says Jesus came at just the right time when we needed him most. Your Jesus still brings hope in the midst of suffering, peace in the midst of confusion, and light where you need it most, in the dark. stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error
That was Brooke and Brendan and their rendition of the hymn, O Holy Night. So, Jamie, uh, you are a co-founder of Breathe Life Ministries, and I know Breathe Life Ministries do a lot to bring hope to people. Could you just say a couple sentences about what you guys do there? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things we do at Breathe Life is just acknowledge that life is com complicated and complex, and we don't always have places to share all those pieces with people, especially when we're in leadership. So we really exist to help provide a space for Christian leaders, which can be defined quite loosely because we all are leaders over our own sphere of influence. Um, but it gives a place for Christian leaders to really wrestle with the real things of life and faith, to be honest about the places where they're hurting or expectant or things are not going the way they thought and a place to really wrestle and share their story and, and particularly to present those requests to God and to pray in a way that God somehow makes a difference. How do you see hope show up in your, in your work with a church staff or an individual? How does hope play into that experience? Often we do start in the places where doesn't seem super hopeful at first um, because we all want to have hope, but sometimes if we just try to force ourselves into that position, mm. it doesn't it doesn't really work for very long. It kind of like a rubber band bounces you back to the disappointment pretty quickly. Mm. So what we do is we kind of we create some space to be honest about a story, not judge it because often we'll judge ourselves for being disappointed or angry or unforgiving, but instead, acknowledge those needs, say, God, I don't want to be angry, but this happened. God, I don't want to be disappointed, but this happened. And then we allow some space for the Holy Spirit to remind us of what's true or give a perspective on what's what else is going on there that we didn't consider originally. Hmm. That, that almost sounds like Paul talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out on us so that the love of God is in our hearts uh, in the midst of when we were at our worst. Mm, yeah. I remember last Lent, Jamie, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on for this particular chapter of, of the hymn journal is we talk about hope and disappointment and uh, grief and Christmas and all that kind of wrapped up together. Last Lent, you did something that you called making room, and that really intrigued me. I was able to be a part of that. And would you just describe what making room is about? What are you making room for and how and, and what your experience was with that? Oh, right. The reason I really did it this year is because, especially after 2020, many of us had just had, well, as your devotion said, grief upon grief. Yeah. Um, just so many things, so many surprises, so many unexpected twists and turns that, that I was finding in my own life, I wasn't just bouncing back like I had maybe been able to in the past. So sometimes when we get grief upon grief, we want to move forward, but we're just carrying too many things. Mm. So the idea is as we acknowledge the, the griefs, the losses, the challenges in an honest, prayerful, even honoring way, we're able to kind of set those aside, lay them to rest, release them to God or something. So it's not blocking us from moving forward. It's not like we're moving forward with like all these weights attached to our legs and mm. this parachute behind us and we can't even move forward because everything is pulling us backward. So the idea is to to grieve losses so that we can move forward. 
And in what sense then, how does that feel like making room? What is the grief? What are you making room for? We could be making room for something really beautiful um, that we, we might not have seen as beautiful because we had this filter of when's the other shoe going to drop and we would miss it. We, we make room for gratitude because so often as we're, we're still protesting the losses, there's no room to be grateful. But as we are able to acknowledge the beauty of what we lost, a gratitude for what we've had naturally will swell in our hearts. But, but, but not just that, sometimes like as we're looking at the world today, we might have more hard things left in front of us. Mm. And if I am so weary and beaten down by the past challenges, how will I have the strength to face the next challenges? So I, I think it makes room for so many possibilities that, that life still holds in front of us, that I can live present to the moment, that I don't, I don't only ache for what was lost, I also can hope for what might be to come. So over the course of that six weeks, you led a small group of people through several kinds of exercises to help them, to help them grieve well, to help them honor a loss, to help them make room. What were some of the things that got a really positive response or, or from your perspective worked really well to help people kind of create that space? So one of the things that really helps is to just acknowledge that we're, if we're sad or disappointed or tired, to just acknowledge it. Um, so many of us are are just weary from the beat down. So to take a moment and take a breath and like honestly say, I'm tired, not as a complaint, but just as a statement of fact about your condition. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing right about that. It just is. So I can just say, I'm tired and let that um, be congruent in your whole body. So I don't have to put on a happy face. I don't have to complain about it. I don't have to feel guilty about it. And just be honest. So I think that honesty is a huge piece. And another piece that I really appreciated in the journey was to be able to say, there was something I loved. Personally, we had a lot of family losses this year. Um, seven. Wow. <laughs> seven aunts, uncles, nephews. And... Um, that's hard. That's a lot. And um, mm -hmm. to be able to say, I sure loved when my uncle was on the earth because hmm. I remember this beautiful thing and this beautiful thing and this beautiful thing. And so there's a way of honoring the thing that we loved even now that it's lost. My parents moved away. That's a huge grief to me. And I loved when my parents were here. I loved being able to stop by and see them regularly. I loved not having to make time for a phone call. I loved being able to sit with them without having to say anything. Hmm. These are things you can't do on the phone. And it, I loved it. And I think there's a part of saying that I loved it that honors it. It allows me to be sad that it's gone. Hmm. And then I can give myself permission to be sad because I am sad about that. It's not what it's not what I wanted. It's not what I hoped for. But it it is what it is. So as I honor, if as I make the space to be honest, honor the beauty of it, give myself permission to actually be sad. 
And I don't, if I don't rush myself out of that place, my heart gets a little time to heal, to be comforted. Sometimes we don't acknowledge that we need comfort. <laughs> we just like grab a cookie or a glass of wine or another movie and, um, and we hope that that will give us the comfort we need. But sometimes if I just tell somebody that I need a hug because I'm sad because my parents moved, then I can actually get the comfort. Hmm. Hmm. I, I'll have to find the reference, but I, I remember Martin Luther talking about a, a theologian of the cross being able to name a thing what it is. Uh, like you don't have to pretend it's something else and you don't have to uh, put whitewash it or call it by a different name. And and that honesty of being able to say, I mean, it's tricky, right? It's it's hard to say I'm tired and not have it come off as a complaint, either in your ears or in somebody else's, but to be able to uh, not judge it, but just say it the way it is or to say, to be able to say, I'm really sad about that, or I really miss that, or that was beautiful, and it, it kind of hurts my heart that that's not the way it is right now. Uh, those are things that I, I don't know that we're encouraged in very many places to have that kind of honesty with ourselves, with God, uh, with someone else close to us. And it seems to me that that's, that's a part of what it means to, I, you know, we're getting ready for Christmas. So how do, how do we make some room to celebrate Christmas in a way that's positive and, and, and beautiful when there's so much stuff going on still, you know, our, our family just came through a round of COVID in our house and uh, we missed see, doing some things and seeing some people we would have normally done. How do you create space for uh, missing what you missed so that you can receive what you receive? Those are, those are complicated things. Any, any other thoughts on how someone listening to our podcast today might approach uh, this Christmas season and, and New Year in a way that allows them to accept the good that's there and, and acknowledge and respect the things that they're missing. Mm -hmm. I think we all really want to have a really fun, happy Christmas season. And I don't think that's a bad or wrong desire. But I think the reality of the Christmas story is that Jesus came into a dark, hurting world. And he came to the most vulnerable people. He, he was born to peasant parents who were homeless at the time. The angels first announced um, to the shepherds who were kind of low man on the totem pole in society. So I really think when we realize our, our neediness or our sadness or, or anything that doesn't seem to fit with the current culture, we actually have just made room in our hearts for the Savior to come. And when the Savior comes, when he comes, that's when we can sing glory, hallelujah, <laughs> as we make the space. And, and we might still be sad. Um, we might still be sad on Christmas. And the, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It just maybe doesn't fit at a party as well as you might like. Uh, and that can be hard, but Jesus comes to the hurting. So if you're hurting, Jesus is coming for you and has already come. So already today, already today, he's with you. Already today, he's drawing close. Already today, he's helping you make the room. Like, it's not all bad to get quarantined. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, I mean, it's, it's sadness and there's grief in it, but I think as we, 
acknowledge the grief of it, then we create space. Jesus, what do you want to do at this time? How do you how do you want to draw near? What gift do you have for us in the unexpected? Because he's always bringing gifts in the unexpected. This is the God who conquered death with resurrection. So every time we see a death around us, I think our, our eyes should be, or and our ears should be perked up for where the resurrection is. Hmm. I was just rereading the devotions I had written last Easter. And I remember mm-hmm. after a six or seven week um, grief journey, I thought I would feel different. I thought it'd be like, all right, we're ready to take on the world. Um, but what I found is that my grief process really was a, a seed planting. So scripture says that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a single seed. But once it falls to the ground, it produces, oh, I should remember the rest of the verse, a bunch. It produces a bunch. We'll say, oh, Justin, help me out. Loose translation. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're there. Okay. (laughs) So after so many deaths, Hmm. I just expect a bumper crop. Hmm. <laughs> but it it wasn't as fa- for me it wasn't as fast as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. But as I've as I've walked through the rest of this calendar year, what I've started to see is seeds sprouting. I see uh, just beautiful pieces of hope and um, relationship and promise and things in my family and things at my church that weren't there in January. And and they're not full grown. I can't, I might not even be able to identify right now what kind of plant they're going to be when they grow mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. But, but I am encouraged by the seeds that are sprouting. So for anyone who's going through loss, it might be a slower journey than you want it to be. But there is a promise that those who sow in tears will reap in songs of joy, carrying their sheaves with them. And there's time for the tears. So you don't have to rush it, even if you kind of want to. That's the patience part from the scripture, is the suffering produces perseverance. And so that, that ability to wait longer is a part that I've gained through my suffering. Um, so now I can look and say, oh, there are seeds sprouting. That's amazing. Uh, I, granted, I wanted a tree. But yeah. I, I can glory in the seeds because I've suffered. I don't think I would have been able to glory in the seeds before my suffering. Hmm. Hmm. So the perseverance kind of requires a longer time period. You, you can't persevere. Like, like an hour is not long enough to persevere. That kind of doesn't count. So <laughs> I tried that. I tried that. <laughs> God, I persevered already. Come on. It's been since two two o'clock. I know, right? Two hours. Come on. Hurry up. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, as as we kind of bring this to a close, I I really would like to end with a a couple of small Advent next steps for people listening. And and the next steps I would like to propose, I need you to help me out with this. I just need a couple of prayers we could put on people's lips. And I heard a couple of prayers from you already. I'm looking for a couple more to give people to, to run an experiment, see if this prayer helps. So here's one prayer that Jamie Wishman from Breathe Life Ministry suggested you use this Advent series. Dear Jesus, I'm really tired. Uh, Another one I heard was Jesus, I'm sad. 
Uh, are there other prayers that we could try using to acknowledge, to create some room, to, to kind of lean into that hope in the face of what feels like hopelessness? Jesus, I need you. Mm. That one helps me a lot because I don't like to be needy very much. But mm. with Jesus, it's, it's a game changer. If you want God to work in your life, admit where you're needy. Yeah. And come O come, O come, Emmanuel, hmm. God with us. He, he is with us. And I believe as we invite him, he wants to be with us in specific instances. And he comes at our invitation. So if you have a pain or a need or a party that you're not fitting in at, to say, come, Emmanuel, be with me in this. What about the other side of the coin? Do, do, do you practice the Jesus, I'm really happy right now prayer or Jesus, this is awesome. Please come and be with me. Do, do you practice those things too? What I notice the most is gratitude. So hmm. uh, anytime something good happens or honestly, if something bad happens, I look for the good, but mostly hmm. I notice the gratitude bubbling as I'm honest about the hardship. And so I can be, thank you for this seed. Thank hmm. you for this moment. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you. So there are a lot of thank you pieces. Let me think, do I practice the other? Uh, Jesus, I'm so happy. Yeah, it's, it, that's still, it's gratitude. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, give thanks in every circumstance. And yeah, so that's what I practice. But I, I don't, I practice not forcing it. I practice like, God, I would like to be grateful in this moment, but I'm not feeling grateful now. What what can I be grateful for hmm. so that I don't force myself and even my gratitude can be a gift because then I can boast in the Lord and I don't boast that I'm a person who makes sure I have a good gratitude, li- a good gratitude mm. list every day. Mm-hmm. I can just, the Lord caused me to be grateful. Thanks. Thanks for those thoughts. I think that's a, a wonderful help as we as we walk closer and closer to Christmas and New Year's celebrations and the joy and stress that comes with flipping the calendar page uh, to be able to be honest with Jesus and honest with yourself. And it strikes me that a lot of the things you used as prayers there are not things that uh, I would particularly like uh, admitting Jesus, I'm sad. Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, this is hard. Uh, Jesus, I'm tired. And, and yet to uh, Jesus, I don't feel very grateful, but I'd like you to be present, please, and and, and help me see something. So uh, I think that honesty seems like a, a real important part of, of what you're suggesting to. How does that resonate with you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my main thing. <laughs> but it's because I have discovered God so much more when I'm just honest about where I am instead mm. of trying to be somewhere where I think that I should be. Mm. So I find I am happy. I, it's, it might sound like I'm sad a lot. And I am sad too, but I'm happy a lot. Um, but I don't have to be happy. I don't have to mm. make myself be happy. So. I can be happy if I'm happy. I can be sad if I'm sad. I can be disappointed. I can be grateful. Um, so I think it's more like not forcing things so much. Mm. I think I of- we often have really high expectations, sometimes very high in the church, of how we're supposed to look. Hmm. What if you could just be what you are, and then Jesus would come? 
I heard it once said, um, you know, Jesus is always with you. I, but I find that I'm not often with me. I'm trying to be somewhere else other than where I actually am. So if I would come back to me where I am, then I would find that Jesus is already there. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. That's, that's a good thought, uh, maybe even to close with. So thank you for your work at Breathe Life Ministries. And thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed kind of thinking through grief and loss in and, and Christmas of all things together with you. Thank you. Yes, I really appreciate the opportunity. That was Jamie Wishman from Breathe Life Ministries. I'll make sure to link to their ministry webpage in the description of this podcast. I'll also share a link to a blog, Loss of the Familiar. That was written for the Next Step community by Jamie Wishman and was a part of that making room experiment that Breathe Life Ministries was running just before Easter last year. So you heard me in the podcast. At one point, I failed to come up with a reference to something Luther once said. Now, come on, give me a little bit of a break. Luther said a whole bunch of stuff. But if this had been Jeopardy, the right answer would have been, what is Luther's Heidelberg Disputation Thesis 21? Which, of course, you know says, in part, a theology of glory calls evil good and good evil. A theology of the cross calls the thing what it actually is. This is clear. The person who does not know Christ does not know God hidden in suffering. I really do think that's part of what Jamie was talking about today, to see God in Christ, the God that's sometimes hidden behind suffering and yet still present for us in Jesus. The devotion that I read includes a story of my first Christmas in Ann Arbor. I shared that it is a part of an Advent devotion for St. Paul Ann Arbor. I'll link to that devotion as well. And there's a bang-up four-and-a-half-minute video from the Bible Project on the concept of hope in the Bible. I'll put that in the description as well. Well, as always, this podcast was made possible in part by the generous support of Next Step patrons. Thank you, patrons. Patrons make it possible before we hit 2022, you might want to check out the possibility of becoming a Next Step patron and helping make this kind of conversation continue. I hope you enjoyed spending some time with my good friend Jamie today. I certainly did. And uh, I think I'll be pondering for a while yet the thought there at the end, what if I could just be me and then Jesus would show up? That's the invitation for you this week. Just be you. Be happy if you're happy. Be sad if you're sad. Be grateful or be confused or be struggling. It's okay. Wherever you are, that's exactly where Jesus shows up. Thanks for spending time with us today. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.